He is risen. He is risen. Thank you. My name is Ron Cole. I'm one of the pastors here as well, and uh, it's a joy to welcome all of you here this morning. And I, I do want to say I wish each and every one of you and our family does a, a joyful and a deeply blessed Easter. It is a joy for us to be able to, to, to bring those greetings, and we hope you experience. This is a day of, of joy, a day of celebration, a day of victory in Jesus Christ, and we're going to get to that. But I don't want to start there, <clears throat> because for those who experienced the first Easter, it did not start in joy. For those who experienced the first Easter, the fact is that it came on the heels of their worst day ever. The fact of the matter is, I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is alive. I believe with all my heart that one day everything will be made new. But I also think we need to recognize this morning and really every day that we still live in a broken world. We still live in a world where things are not the way that they're supposed to be, where there's a lot of pain, where there's a lot of hurt, where there's a lot of brokenness. Even though Jesus Christ is alive, we still believe And we still know that in this world we will have troubles and we will have struggles and we will have difficulties. The fact of the matter is we've all had bad days, right? We all have bad days. And for the most part, for a lot of us, those bad days are are just sort of inconvenience kind of things, right? We miss the alarm clock in the morning so we we don't have time to shower. We grab a candy bar for breakfast. looks like we're going to make it to to work on time, but all of a sudden there's flashing lights behind us and we realize not only are we going to be late, we're going to have a $160 ticket to pay. And, and, And then the computer breaks down and one of the kids gets sick and all that kind of... We all have bad days, right? But I want to ask you about about when you've had your worst day ever. I don't know if there's one that comes to mind. When I thought about this, there, there, there's one that comes to mind. I remember the day when I was in Southern California and Tammy's dad was in surgery here uh, on his heart and, and he died. And, and Tammy was here and I was there and it was just like, it was just like the, the bottom dropped out. In some ways, that's, that's one of those worst day ever for me. I don't know if you have one. Maybe it's a day when, again, one of your loved ones died. One of your loved ones died. Maybe it's a day when you got news that one of your kids was sick. Maybe it was the day when your private sin suddenly became very public. Maybe it was the day when your spouse said, I don't love you anymore, and walked away. In a world, even with Christ alive, we have a worst day ever. If we had gone to the disciples, the male and the female disciples, on, on that Easter Sunday morning before they went to the tomb and asked them what their worst day ever was, there would have been no question what they would have answered. They would have said it was Good Friday. <laughs> that day you guys call Good Friday, that was the worst day ever. And I want to think about that. And I want to think about how we handle our worst day ever by looking at how they handled their worst day ever. And, and in particular, one person. I want to look at Mary Magdalene, one of the disciples, one of the female followers of Jesus Christ. Not one of the 12, I know that, but, but one of the female followers of Jesus Christ. If you asked her, she would have been quick to say that Good Friday was her worst day ever. And you need to know something about Mary. For Mary, that would have been saying something because she had had a lot of bad days before she met Jesus. She had, her life was a train wreck, okay? I mean, her life was just a complete mess. It starts with just, and, and, and again, this is this culture that, 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 that was there. She was female. That meant she couldn't have any property. That means she didn't have much respect. That means she didn't have an, any standing on her own. The only thing she could be was to, connected to some male someplace. She was a nobody. She was, she was nothing just by virtue of being a female. One of the rabbis in the first century said this. I mean, you want to know how much respect women had? One of the rabbis in the first century said this, that it would be better if you had a copy of the Torah 
to burn it than to put it in the hands of a woman. Ouch. Ouch. That's how little respect she had just by virtue of being a woman. She was female, and then to make things worse, she was unmarried and she had no kids. We know this because, again, a person would be identified by their connections. If she was married, she would have been Mary the wife of. But she's not. She's Mary Magdalene, Mary from the city of Magda. If she had children, she'd be Mary the mother of. <laughs> we'll see that a little bit later on. Somebody was Mary the mother of or, or so on. And, 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 and so the fact that she's just Mary from Magda means that, that she just didn't have a husband, that she didn't have any kids, that, that she had nobody who would be there for her. She had a lot of bad days. <laughs> It didn't help that she was from Magda. That, that for us doesn't necessarily mean anything. But, but for the people of, uh, of Jesus' day, it, it would have meant something. You see, Magda was this little fishing village on the edge of the Sea of Galilee in the northern part of Israel. Here's a picture of present-day Magda. Uh, the, the village might have been a little smaller back in Jesus' day. But again, a beautiful little fishing village. But what you need to understand is the primary industry of Magda was not fishing. It was entertainment. You see, Magna was that place where men went and what happened in Magda stayed in Magda. When a guy needed a break, when he needed to just kind of get away from things, he went to Magda. It's one of the reasons why people suggest Mary was a prostitute, right? It's one of the reasons why people say, well, she was, she, she was probably a prostitute because any 18, 20-year-old woman who lived in Magda wasn't a fisherman, <laughs> And she was unmarried, no kids. She wasn't dependent on anybody else. And so the high likelihood is that she was a prostitute. And, and she had been with a lot of men. And they had said, I love you. But in the morning, they got up and went home to their spouses. In the morning, they got up. And she was left alone. She had a lot of bad days. And, and then she had seven demons. We sometimes think of somebody who's got demons and you know, their head is spinning and they're puking you know, projectile vomiting and drooling or whatever. That wasn't necessarily the case. A lot of the folks who were assigned as demon-possessed and who had demons, I believe what the Bible says here is true, but, but, but it wouldn't have shown up as always being crazy. It would have been just a little off. Maybe addiction of some sort. Maybe bipolar. Maybe a demon that just made her lose all of her inhibitions and, and, and made her unlovable. Whatever it was, maybe it was anger. Seven of them. I mean, she had, it was just a mess. And, and, and so she had plenty of bad days. She had plenty of bad days when, when, when she realized she was alone. She had plenty of bad days when she realized she would die alone. She had plenty of bad days when she realized that nobody loved her and nobody cared. And then she met Jesus. She'd never met anyone like him before. Magda, you see, is up north. It's in the area we call Galilee. It's on the Sea of Galilee. So Jesus grew up in Nazareth, probably about four miles, just west of where Magda was. He spent a lot of time in, in Capernaum. Capernaum was, well, Capernaum was on the north edge of the Sea of Galilee, and, and, and Magda was on the west side. It was just, and you could see it across the lake. Jesus spent a lot of time in Capernaum. Tiberias was just to the, just to the south of, of where Magda was. They were close enough to walk easily, half hour or so. Jesus spent a lot of time up in Galilee, and at some point he must have gone through Magda. And again, just um, the, the, the joy for, for Mary to be a nobody, to be a hooker, to be, to be just somebody everybody took advantage of and then tossed aside like, like your popcorn at the movie, to be that kind of a person. And then to have Jesus look at her with love and with joy and, and not lust. 
and to tell her that, that she was precious. She was precious to him, and she was precious to her father in heaven. I don't think anybody had ever told her she was precious before. Beautiful, yes. Sexy, yes. <laughs> but precious. Tell your children they're precious. I don't think Mary had ever had anybody tell her she was precious. Jesus says, you are. And he changed her. And, and, and she received life, and, and, and she received dignity and respect, and she became a follower of Jesus, a, a, a disciple, really. You need to understand this. Mary didn't just kind of meet Jesus and become a follower of Jesus and then stay in Magda. She started to travel around with him, okay? I mean, he was everything to her. She, she started to go back to Luke 8.1. We'll go back to Luke 8.1. After this. Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another. He had just um, had dinner at the Pharisee's house. He just raised somebody from the dead, done a number of those things. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 male disciples, the male apostles, the 12 were with him. And then Luke goes on, verse 2 and 3. He says this, and also some women. No self-respecting rabbi would have had women followers. No self-respecting rabbi in that day. Again, you couldn't trust him with a Torah to touch it, much less listen to your words and teachings and perhaps try to teach others. And yet Jesus, in the gospel of the nobodies, has female followers, has females who are disciples, also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases, first one mentioned, and she was sort of the leader of the female disciples, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Next one, interesting, this person, Joanna. Joanna was a follower of Jesus, but look at who her husband was. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, of Herod's household, right? Remember, Herod's father, Herod, had tried to have Jesus killed when he was born. And, and his son had no more use for Jesus. His son was constantly after Jesus. But I think it's wonderful that part of how Jesus was financed was through Herod's family, through Herod's household. Because the manager of all his money, well, his wife has given it to Jesus. His wife is walking around and supporting Jesus. Susanna, we don't know much about her, many others. And, and then Luke says, look at these were the women. The, the, these women were, were helping to support them out of their own means. <laughs> you want to know how Jesus was able to eat? It was these women. Where the food came from, it was these women. Mary perhaps had built up a bit of a nest egg. Nobody was going to take care of her old age in her old age, so she had maybe built up a bit of a nest egg. Again, Joanna uh, is married to one of Herod's uh, managers, and, and so they're giving Jesus what he needs. And they, they follow Jesus. Don't know if they went down to Jerusalem every time, but they followed Jesus in Galilee and occasionally went down to Jerusalem, and they were there with him. Day in and day out, these women were with Jesus, and they were listening, and they were learning, and they were growing, and they don't stop following Jesus. They don't stop following Jesus. In fact, if you look at it, Luke tells us more about the women being there at the end of Jesus' life, more about the women being there on Good Friday than the men who were there. The disciples ran, but the nobodies stayed. The least stayed. It was on that day that it was the worst day ever for Mary Magdalene, and she was there. We don't know exactly when she started, but given who she is, given when we know that she was there later on, i got to believe that she was there for the trials. She was there as Jesus is being brought to Pilate's place and then to Herod's place and then back to Pilate's place and she's following along and you can just imagine the tears coming down her face. And she was there, I think, when he was beaten and whipped 
And, 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 and it was just her heart being torn out. I, again, you, you know, the worst thing in the world is, is to realize is, is, is that evil wins. The worst thing, and that's what happened on this day in her eyes. The worst thing that can happen is that evil wins. If the best person she ever met can be destroyed this way, then the bad guys win. If the best person she's ever met can be, can be just, it tore her heart out. It ripped her heart out, and it was so broken. We know, John tells us, she was there at the cross. The only disciple we know of is John himself, but the women, they were there at the cross. At the moment of death, Luke tells us, she was there. And she was watching. And as he died, she died. And she was there with the other women at the burial. Can you imagine? I mean, yes, Jesus, what he went through is unimaginable beyond that. But to be Mary, to be Susanna, to be Joanna, to be these other women who were there just every step of the way, and the person who never had done anything wrong, the person who was the best person you ever met, is just being ripped apart. And he's being killed. And there is no doubt that this is the worst day ever. The next day is the Sabbath and then comes Easter Sunday. Mary is just, she's got to be a dish rag, right? Just completely worn out. Just completely, just numb. The disciples are hiding. <laughs> Those guys, the guys, the leaders, the males, <laughs> the heads, they're hiding. But the women, they go. They go to the tomb to put spices on the body and to say goodbye. To say goodbye to Jesus and just as much to say goodbye to themselves, to their own hopes and their own dreams. Luke 24, verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. When they got there, the stone was rolled away. We don't know really what they would have thought at this point. On on the one hand, it's a little bit odd. On the other hand, these were public tombs. These were public tombs. They would have been inside and had several burial places, and they would have had a stone that you could roll, and that stone had been rolled away. And, and, and so maybe, but nobody else was in this tomb. But yet maybe somebody else came to do spices. At, at this point, it's just kind of a fact. It's just kind of there. But then comes the punch to the gut. When they did not, when, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. It's like getting that all clear on cancer and then that punch in the gut that comes, it's back. I mean, it was as bad as it could be, they thought, and then it got worse. Again, I mean, it was the worst day ever, now it gets even worse. It's just, the body is gone. Suddenly, suddenly there were angels there. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. They do what everybody does in the presence of angels in their, in, in their fright. The women bowed down with their faces to the ground. And the angels spoke to them, the men in these glowing clothes, the angels spoke to them, and, 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 and just slow down as we do this. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? Now, we hear that, all right, and, 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 and it's almost impossible for us not to say, you see, he's alive, that's what you're, he's trying to tell you, he's alive, but that's not what they would have heard. They, they, you know, they would have heard, you know, put yourself in their shoes, worst day ever, now it just got worse, the body is gone. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? We're not looking for the living, Right? 
They weren't looking for the living. They were looking for the dead. We're looking for the dead, so we're in the right place. He's dead. Didn't you see that? How in the world did you miss it? What, did the news not get to heaven yet? He's dead. He's dead. They weren't looking for the living among the dead. They were looking for the dead among the dead. And just stop there a second, and I wonder, how many of us who are followers of Jesus really treat him as if he's dead? I mean, we know, we sing, we say, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive, he's risen from the dead, come awake, come awake. But in reality, do we expect him to be anywhere? <laughs> or do we just say, no, 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 I, 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 he helps me because he inspires me, and someday he'll do something else, but today... I think sometimes functionally I let Jesus be dead. And I go looking for hope. But it's really a hope in a Savior who's going to come back, not in one who's alive today. But then comes the good news. He is not here. He has risen. But they don't get it, okay? They don't get it. They don't at this point say, hallelujah, we sing hallelujah, he is risen from the dead. They still have blank stares on their faces. They still can't comprehend this. They still don't get this. And and then they get one command, and this is fascinating to me. They get one command, and this is what makes the difference. You know what the angels tell them to do? I wouldn't have been able to tell you before this week. But the command is this. Remember. 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 That's, That's what makes it. Remember. Remember what he said. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, must be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Don't you remember what he said? Don't you remember that he said this is what's going to happen? Don't you remember that he said he had to be handed over, that he had to be crucified, but that he would rise again? Do you remember? And, and, and Luke says, this is what made the difference. Then they remembered. Then they remembered. It's, it's interesting to me how powerful, how important. If you've been here the last couple of weeks with us, everybody needs to remember in Luke, right? The, the, Friday night, if you were here, the thief on the cross, what was his prayer? Jesus, remember me. You remember me. And, and Peter, he remembered that Jesus had said he would deny. He remembered. And Jesus, when he broke the bread, said, do this in remembrance of me. It's all about remembering Remembering that Jesus was going to do this. Remembering that Jesus is still in control. Remembering that Jesus has said that he would come back to life. Remember, remember, remember. They remember and then they go back to the disciples. To the apostles themselves. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James. Again, right? She's a mother, so she's the mother of James. Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them. So there were more women who told this to the apostles. A couple of weeks, we're going to look at how the apostles responded because they just miss it. They don't believe them because they're women. But I want to just stop here for this morning and, and ask this question. What do we learn? What, what does Easter have for us in 2016? What, what, what do we do on our worst day ever? How do we handle it? Three things. The first is this, on our worst day ever, I think we have to recognize that that we shouldn't pretend it doesn't hurt. So often I hear Christians talk like this. Say, well, Jesus is alive and Jesus is in control, and so everything is good. Don't you know that? I mean, people who go to funeral homes and say, come on, she's in a better place. You know what? I believe all that. 
but it still stinks. It still hurts. It's still painful. Mary was still, was still shattered. And, and, and the disciples were going to go through some horrific times, some extremely difficult times. Don't pretend. Easter does not deny the pain. We still live in a broken world. We still live in a broken world. And people we love die. And, and things don't work the way they're supposed to work. And so don't pretend. Don't walk out of here and say, well, because it's Easter, because Jesus Christ rose again, then everything is going to be perfect. One day it will be. But in the meantime, there's still cancer and death and divorce and pain and ugliness. And so don't pretend it doesn't hurt. Second thing I think this story teaches us is, is, is that we need to learn to keep our eyes open. Here I'm thinking of those words uh, of the angels to the women when they, when they said, you know, why do you look for the living among the dead? Friends, we need to hear the angel say, he is not here, he is risen, that we serve a risen Savior, he's in the world today. And, and we need to keep our eyes open, even on our worst day ever. We need to keep our eyes open because Jesus Christ is there. It's not just that someday he's going to take care of us, but today as Drew Vanderhill is in the hospital dealing with his leukemia, Jesus is there right now. And it doesn't mean it's all easy, but it does mean he's not alone, and it does mean he can endure. And, and the question is, can we keep our eyes open? I mean, one of the joys of Easter is, is to recognize is that, 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 again, that Jesus is in the world today, that Jesus is all around us, and that Jesus is alive. He's not just then and then, past and future, but in the present, Jesus Christ. In, in the worst day ever, Jesus Christ is there. And I want to encourage you to just keep your eyes open and, and, and to see that he is at work. It still hurts. There are still things that happen in this world that are broken and wrong and not the way they're supposed to be. But Jesus Christ is alive. And so we must keep our eyes open. And then third, and this is the one I really think is most important, we must remember. We must become people of memory. We must remember, just as they were told, remember what he said. So too, I say to you, remember what he said. Remember the words of Jesus. Remember the promises of Jesus on your worst day ever. Remember, remember, remember. Remember, I'm going to give you three passages to remember. John 16, verse 33, the first part of it says this, in this world, Jesus speaking here, on the night when he was betrayed, he's talking about when he's going to come back, but even after he's gone, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. Again, remember that. Let's not be shocked. Let's not pretend this is unbelievable. I'm a Christian. How can this happen to me? I prayed. How can this happen to me? I prayed, and how come my kid wasn't healed? In this world, you will have trouble, friends. That's the promise of Jesus. Because we live in a broken world, and and we don't need to pretend it's different. In this world, you will have trouble, but the rest of this verse says this, take heart, because I have overcome the world. And remember both halves of that verse. In this world, so when when, when we get that punch to the gut, when we get to that, that, that whatever it is, that worst day ever, say, okay, Jesus said there would be this day. Jesus said there would be this day. I remember his words. Again, for the women, remember, he said he'd be betrayed, crucified, and rise. I remember he said that we would have trouble, but that he has overcome the world. 
Second one to remember, Matthew 28, 20. Surely Jesus says, this is after the resurrection, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Just put that somewhere deep in your heart. Put that somewhere deep in your soul. Put that somewhere deep in your mind. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Surely I am with you always. And so when the devil wants to come and say, you are all alone. When the devil wants to come and say, nobody cares about you. When your own soul is calling out and crying, nobody understands me. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. When your heart says that, your deeper heart will hear the voice of Jesus saying, no, I am with you always to the very end of the age. I am with you always wherever you go. I am with you always on the worst day ever. He is alive. He is alive. And and then one more, all right? In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Surely I am with you even to the end of the age. And then Revelation 21, verse 5. I am making everything new. All right. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And, and that's the beginning of Easter, right? That's what Easter really began. That's what Easter started. It was that process of undoing death. It was that process of undoing sin. It was that process of restoring everything. And what Jesus says here is that someday, someday on your worst day, you need to remember that God is with you there, but someday it's going to be new. Someday it's going to be right. It's Friday, right? But Sunday's coming. And, 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 and what I want you to remember, I mean, the phrase that I've been just living with this week is this, the worst day is not the last day. On your worst day ever, I want you to learn to say the worst day is not the last day. It is a bad day. It is the worst day. It is a terrible day. It is a painful day. But the worst day is not the last day. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming, right? It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And, and there's a new day coming. And it's it's. It's Sunday now, but someday we will be together with Jesus. Someday all things will be made new. The the, the worst day is not the last day. It is not the last day. And Easter reminds us to be people of hope. So on our worst day ever, don't pretend it doesn't hurt. The women were broken. Keep our eyes open. Don't look for a dead Jesus. And then remember, remember that God is with us. That one day all things will be made new. I think about the struggles. I think about just those worst days ever. I think about standing with a lot of you at gravesides on a worst day ever. About being in hospital rooms. I remember a long time ago, a couple tried like crazy to have kids. Finally, she got pregnant. Best day ever. And then they were told the baby was going to die. And being up in that hospital room with the couple and the family and this baby who was dead. Worst day ever. And having grandpa say, this isn't the end. This isn't the end. The worst day is not the last day. It was a terrible day. It was the worst day. I will never forget that day. That family will never forget that day. It was the worst day ever, but it's not the last day. Because someday he's coming again. Someday he, he is going to make all things new. My, my favorite place of, of reading about this is, is in C.S. Lewis, in, in the Narnia Chronicles, The Last Battle. And I don't know, this might become for me an Easter tradition to close with this. 
But in these stories, right, it's about Narnia, this land where these children from England go, and they have these adventures, and Aslan is a lion who's like Jesus Christ. He dies, and he rises again. I, I think I've mentioned it before. One of my kids said that Aslan is even better than Jesus because he died. He, he rose again in one day, not three. I said, yeah, let's hold on. But Aslan is there, and, 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 and the last book is called The Last Battle, and it is about the end of Narnia. It is the worst day ever in Narnia. But the children end up in a new place, in the new Narnia. And they begin the best day ever. This is what Lewis writes. I I don't know, it just captures my heart. And as Aslan spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion. But the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories. And we can most truly say that they lived happily ever after. But for them, this is what we believe, friends. For us, it was the only beginning of the real story. And all their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Friends, this is a blip compared to what is coming. And our worst day ever will be surpassed. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever and ever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. The worst day is not the last day. Remember that. That someday, someday the sun will come back and it will be better than ever before. Let's pray together. Father, some of us know that worst day ever. Some of us are in it right now. Remind us that the worst day is not the last day. That you are with us in the worst day. You knew it was going to happen. You, you knew this was going to happen in this broken world. But the worst day is not the last day. And someday all things will be made new. And so as we celebrate the newness of Jesus Christ, as we celebrate that Jesus Christ is alive, teach us to live with that hope. Teach us to live with that joy in spite of the brokenness. We acknowledge that. But Lord, ultimately we know that one day we will begin chapter one of the great story in which every page is better than the one before. So give us joy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.